Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where I speak with creative entrepreneurs, artists, and other insanely interesting people to hear their stories learn about their molding moments, tipping points, and spectacular takeoffs. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com tapiphone to learn more. Remember, folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, 
Your business is always at your fingertips. In this episode of The Unmistakable Creative, I speak with Ali Shanti. Ali was living a life that looked successful on the outside with a million-dollar business and many of the accolades that we all dream of. But making every decision based on money and accumulating more of it became a prison of her own making. Through a radical identity shift, she escaped that prison. Ali, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Hey, thanks so much for having me here. I'm excited to uh, be part of your community. Yeah, I mean, you and I spoke, uh, you know, quite a while back. I mean, you, you know, right before we hit record here, you said you're a completely different human. I mean, your name has changed. I mean, we knew you as Alexis Martin Neely when we last had you here. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I would imagine the conversation we're going to have today is going to be a very different one. But, uh, you know, for, for the people who are listening, I mean, it was such a long time ago when we had you. I mean, that was probably in our first hundred interviews uh, yes. when we were called Blogcast FM. Can you, can you give us a bit of background? on yourself, your story, and, and kind of what, how, how that has led to where you're at today. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so three years ago, it might have even been four years ago, I was doing uh, some of the same things that I'm still doing now. I was training lawyers. I had built a successful law practice myself in Redondo Beach, California. And then um, using a new law business model that I had created, I started teaching that new law business model to other lawyers. And right around 2009, uh, I hit a level of success that was, you know, had built $2 million businesses at that point. I was full on immersed in the world of internet marketing and had written a book and it had become a bestseller and had appeared on today's show, Good Morning America. And so in many respects, I had all of the success that so many people I think are striving for. Mm-hmm. And I was not happy at all. I felt trapped. Uh, I, you know, I, I really came to understand the term trappings of success uh, because I had them all. Mm-hmm. This huge 5,300 square foot house, um, the Mercedes, just all of it. And I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was really on my path. Um, even though all of the things that I was doing seemed to be the right things, there was something inside that was off, uh, deeply off. And I really didn't know what that was other than that I kept hearing from the people on my team, Alexis, you can't say that. You can't write that. You can't wear that. You're going to hurt the business. And that is not why I went into business. I didn't go into business to feel compromised in who I was. And I recognized that I had started making every decision based on money. How much money is this going to bring in? How much money will this person bring to me? How much money will this person pay me? How much will I need to pay this person? And when I looked around at my life, I didn't have any friends. I had no community. I had you know, I was starting to, um, really disconnect from my children. I have two kids they're 10 and 14. Now back then they were seven and 10 and they, um, would come home from school. They would go down into the basement and they would play video games until eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. And I'd be in my office, you know, working 12 to 16 hours a day. And, the companies at that point were bringing in about $2 million. And I had this idea in my mind that I would be free when I had $40 million in the bank. I know that was my number. That was my, okay, well, if I have 40 million in the bank and I am making 5% interest and that throws off 2 million a year, then I'll be free. And I began to realize that if I wasn't free with $2 million of revenue coming in, I was never going to be free. It wouldn't even matter if I got to $40 million in the bank. I would be even more trapped at that point and that I needed to make a radical shift. And I didn't know what that shift was, but I, I sensed it. I moved from California to Colorado uh, with the intention of making that shift, found myself just stuck in all my same patterns. And so I started to do some really radical, very uncomfortable things. Um, I fired my whole team. Um, I broke up with my boyfriend who was also my partner and I 
began the process of really discovering myself. I, I hired an interim CEO who it turned out was really basically a coach, someone who every single day I would cry and he would ask me, Alexis, what do you want? What do you want? And as he kept asking me that question, I started getting more and more clear. And what I wanted was was liberation. I wanted to, I wanted to uh, be free to be who I was and still be able to do my work in the world in a way that felt really good. And I had to go through a a, a big dark night of the soul and a lot of um, very challenging experiences, and in, including moving out of that big house, giving up my Mercedes, moving to a farm that I had bought but never intended to live on. Um, giving up all of my support staff, everybody who was helping me in my home. And um, I filed bankruptcy uh, because I had to get to a place where I wasn't making any decision whatsoever based on money. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, I found the truth of who I really am. And during that time, um, speaking of shows, I, I we did we did um, create one episode, one season of a show called the Whole Truth Show, which was super raw um, video <laughs> filmed from my farmhouse with this like one little spotlight, like a floodlight that I would hook up, and um, it was it was edgy. It was four hours a week. Um, and we would just be on the show and we would chat with people on the show. It was totally live. And I'll tell you, it was one of the most amazing, fun things that I did. But I didn't have a business model around it. And there did come a point at which was like, okay, I've gotten to this point where I'm not making any decisions based on money. And what I realized when I got there is that part of my purpose is to make money and bring money into the community and and share that wealth. And so I started looking at, okay, if I'm going to make money again, what is it that I really want to do? And rather than building a business model around that show, I decided to um, start training lawyers again and start training entrepreneurs again in much the same way that I had before, but with a totally different perspective, a totally different model, a new name. Although there has been um, a big piece of confusion for me in that I didn't give up my old name either. So I still have one business, the the business that trains lawyers where I'm Alexis Neely. And I have a business where I am both Alexis Neely and Ali Shanti, which is um, confusing and it's been a, a big question for me about how do I go forward in the world being two people and feeling very connected to both of them and still being fully myself. So there's still a way that I'm sitting with that question, um, and it's not fully resolved yet. Today, the businesses are back to exactly where they were in 2009, but completely differently as well, because I'm not trapped by them anymore. I've been able to recreate them in a way where I get to be both Alexis Neely and Ali Shanti, and we're making it work and people are being served. And I am doing the things that I love again, including what I see on the horizon as a show again. Um, with a higher production value than when I shot it at the farm and ideally a better business model around it, um, so that it's sustainable and I can keep it going. So, so that's where things are today and, um, still very much in the inquiry, but really grateful to be able to show up in the inquiry without having all of the questions answered, because I think that that's the thing that I missed the most during my journey was being able to hear from people who didn't have it all figured out while they were going through it so that I could gain the insights that they were in the inquiry about myself um, and feel like I was being supported with not having all the answers. So I think too often we just we show up with all the answers and then the people who don't yet have all the answers feel 
lost and um, just, you know, not like, gosh, I have so far to go. I have to have all the answers before I can do what I'm really here to do in the world. And it's just not the case. I think that we're always in the inquiry. Wow. <clears throat> there's a, uh, there's a lot of stuff there. So uh, let's do this. <laughs> let's, let's take a few steps back. I, I want to start at the very beginning of this. Cool. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the trappings of success, I mean, I some people are going to hear that and think, Oh yeah, you've got it all figured out, you know, million dollar house, uh, you know, yeah. Mercedes and, and it kind of makes them like, I don't think it, on some level, I think they can't relate to that to, totally. because they're like, how can you possibly say that? I know if I had all those things, it would give me everything that I want. Yeah. Uh, and I think that we, we are very much under, I think that one of the hardest distinctions that I've found to make is the difference between what we actually want and what we think we want. Um, and it's, you know, I think when those, th- those two things don't match up, which we often find, um, you get into sort of the, the crisis that you did. Yeah. And I guess, you know, for me, the, the question that comes from that is, is one getting that kind of awareness before you're in the situation where you have the trappings of success so yeah. that you don't end up there. And then two, you know, just developing that kind of an awareness that, hey, something's wrong here. Uh, How do you do that? Yeah. So I asked myself this question quite a lot, especially back in 2009 when I was really in it. I was still in California. I had, you know, this massive overhead. I felt trapped by it. And um, the first thing that I did is I went to my CFO uh, who was working with me on my financials. And I have to say that I was always really bad at looking at my numbers. Uh, the numbers of the business, they would just freak me out. And the the real reason why I built the million-dollar businesses back then ultimately is because I was afraid I was desperately afraid of running out of money. That was my driving motivator for much of my life was, oh God, I'm going to run out of money. I'm going to run out of money. I better make as much money as I possibly can so that I'm, I don't run out. And I think that's sign number one, that you're not on the right path to what you really want is when your motivation is fear. And I think, unfortunately, fear as a motivator is very common. Um, it's, it's kind of what has been bred into us probably by our parents who, you know, try to control us or did control us with fear as opposed to motivating us with desire. And, you know, it's, 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 it's bred into our marketing, right? If all of the, you know, marketing that we learn how to do teaches us to market based on the pain and, you know, motivating people to get out of pain, But there seems to be a shift that's starting to happen, which is being motivated by desire, pulled by desire. I see you very much embodying that. And it's really part of the reason that I wanted to be here, part of your community, because I believe that the people that are here and attracted to you don't want to be motivated by fear anymore. And so we just need more models of that. And I just really applaud you for doing a great job with that. If, if you actually are, you could tell me if, <laughs> if that's not true. I mean, do you, do you resonate with that at all? Do you feel motivated by fear or pulled by desire? No, definitely pulled by desire. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I mean, when I've created things out of fear, they've all kind of been big flops and everything I like, I look at everything that I've created in the last year or so, like the books that I've written, the stuff that I've been writing daily on Facebook. And I think it's because I'm called to do it. Like there's, I, I can't not do it. If you know what I mm-hmm. mean, it's like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I was put here to do. Exactly. And so while there was an element of that, especially in the beginning, when I started my businesses, very quickly, the fear took over And it became a, I have to do it because I'm going to run out of money if I don't. I have to keep earning all this money. So I started with the question with my my CFO guy. I said, Keith, how much money do I actually need to make? And he couldn't answer that question. And and that was a big wake-up call for me. I had to get clear about how much money I actually needed to live the life that I wanted to live. And that was a little bit of a corrupted question because I had been highly influenced by the internet marketers that were living these big lives, you know? 
especially in LA and Southern California. Um, and you know, I'd been swimming in these circles where it was really about status and image and brand. And, um, and so I had to find a way to get into real truth about, well, how much money do I actually need to have the life that I want? And I, I created a process for myself where I looked at that question on four levels what was my minimum amount of money to be happy? Like, what's the, what's the smallest lifestyle, least expensive lifestyle that I could have and still be happy? What is my preferred if I could afford it? What is my no limits? Like, if I just had zero limits and I could have houses all over the world. And then what's the reality of my now situation? And it took me some time to actually feel into all of that because Again, I was deeply, deeply conditioned, but when I really felt into it over some time, what I discovered is that my minimum to be happy was actually pretty small, that if I had friends and community around me, I could actually be happy living in a tent or probably a yurt, but more than a tent, you know, a yurt on, on land and being with my kids and having a really, really, really simple lifestyle. And that was shocking to me because that was not what I had ever been taught would be successful. You know, that would be the kind of the antithesis of successful. Mm -hmm. But when I felt into it, that was actually true, that that was my minimum to be happy. And then I could start to feel into what would be my preferred if I could afford it, what was my now? And once I did that, I was able to start to write relationship, my experience with money. And, and I did for a time go live that minimum to be happy life. I lived on a farm. Um, I did not live in a yurt. I did have a house, but my ex-husband lived in a yurt on the property. And, um, it was the scariest by far, the thing that I was most afraid of was having to live in a remote place with my kids, with no support, and feel isolated and alone. And so something told me that, okay, well, if that's the thing you're most afraid of, you need to go down that road. You need to face that fear. If the thing you're most afraid of is running out of money, you need to go down that road and face that fear or else you're constantly going to be driven by it. And so I did. I allowed myself to run out of money to the greatest extent that was possible for me. I'm a mom. I'm the breadwinner. So for me, running out of money looked like just bringing in $5,000 a month. Um, and uh, when it comes to like kids' activities and um, schooling and clothing, I mean, that's really very, very small. Um compared to, you know, what I, what I had been bringing in before that. And, and to go live on this farm in the winter, um, you know, in the snow with, um, you know, no, no support there other than just me and my kids. Now I know that this is a common existence for most people and that hearing me, people might say, well, okay, yeah, no big deal. That's the life I live. And for me, it was a big deal. It was my biggest fear. And so what I would say for you to take from this is whatever is your biggest fear, face it, dive into it, confront it. And what I discovered when I was there is I really actually loved that life. I loved it. It was, it was deeply connected. It was soft. Um, it was slow. I had time to create and also, at the same time, what I discovered is that I have a huge vision that I want to bring out into the world that requires me to make a lot of money, not to feed my ego and not because I'm afraid of running out of money, but because it requires actually a lot of people to carry it out. And so from that place, I was able to come back into the world. I moved from there back into Boulder and a three-bedroom condo um, and still a very simple life, but back into the city again, back into the world again, but this time rebuild things with, a, with an entirely different 
perspective where I wasn't motivated by the fear. I wasn't, I was no longer had this idea of financial freedom and that one day when I had enough money in the bank, then I could do what I wanted to do. I realized that, oh no, the time is now. There is no one day. There is only now. And no longer felt like I needed to have any savings um, because I discovered that no matter what, I have learned the formula for earning what I need when I need it on demand. And that was liberating. Oh, okay. What I wanted is liberation. I'm liberated. I don't need $40 million. I need to earn what I need when I need it on demand. I know how to do that. It's actually not that hard. And I, part of the reason that I, I had to go through bankruptcy and move to the farm and, you know, kind of live this, um, existence of not having a lot of money was for exactly what you said at the beginning. How could anybody have related to me before that? How could anybody have related to me when I graduated first in my class from law school? I built these million dollar businesses. And I know, Sri, that the people I'm supposed to serve are the people that are at home right now watching TV. They're living in their farmhouse. They don't have any support. They're deeply in debt. They're stressed out to the max. They're beating themselves up for bad decisions that they feel like they've made and not moving forward in their lives because of it. And I'm supposed to serve there. And how could I serve there if I haven't been there? And so I had to be willing to go there and come back from it as well Mm -hmm. so that I could serve the people that I know that I'm, that I'm here to serve. And as I tell this story, I still wonder how can I, am, am I still not relatable? That scares me. Am I still not relatable? Awesome. Well, there, there's just a lot of stuff here. Uh, <laughs> there's so much, I mean, it's, this is rich territory and this is, it's, it's funny. Cause I think I, I feel like I'm having, I'm going to group your interview with Jamie Tardy's because I think our, our relationship and the conversations we have around money are such complicated things. Um, yeah. and there's su- such individual stories, uh, for each and every one of us, you know, one of the things that you said, there are two things. One is that you had a number, right? $40 million, which, you know, I mean, that, that you, when you hear that, you're like, Really? That sounds completely insane. Like you need $40 million to feel free. And there are people in this country who are barely scraping by. And, and it's funny because that, you know, it's to, th- to think that. And so th- there's two things that come from that. One is, is, you know, just dissociating with that whole notion of, hey, this is my number. Um, yeah. But then, you know, you mentioned like you ditched it all, but then you somehow found yourself stuck in some of the old patterns. And so I guess the, there are two things that come for me. One is just, dis- how do you dissociate with this notion that, Hey, this is a number. And once I have it, like life is golden. Cause I, I think I had that sort of mindset too. I thought, Hey, when I have a best selling book, I'm going to be, it's going to be smooth sailing. And I can tell you it hasn't. Right. Uh, and then, and then of course, you know, it, I think that this idea of getting unstuck from old behaviors, I want to spend a little yeah. bit of time talking about that. Yeah. So let me, let me start with the number. Um, I met a guy who I I can't, I'm not going to say his name because he's fairly well known, uh, for someone who is very early in the business of selling trainings and, and, um, uh, you know, various things online. So people, people would know who he was, but I met him and he has something like he kept telling me how much money he had in the bank. And it was something like a hundred million dollars or 80 million, some insane number. And, and he has it like in Switzerland and all these various places and silver and gold and cash. And he's not free. He isn't even close to free. He's so trapped by his fear about losing that. And he doesn't have any community and love in his life. And I could look down the road and see the reality of that in my life, that here's a man who's probably, you know, in his late sixties and he's not happy. He's working constantly. His whole driving force still is in accumulating more and more and more and not having the love. And when I looked out the, out at my life, you know, like until the end of my life, 
That just wasn't what I wanted. Um, what I wanted is to feel a lot of love around me. When I did Danielle Laporte's um, uh, desire map process, my core desired feeling is generosity. Um, and he was he's not a generous guy at all. Um, he's not looking at ways that he can help more people in the world at all. He's just looking at ways that he can amass more and more. And I saw that's the trajectory that I was on. And that's not what I want to template into the world. Where I see that we're going, especially my children and, and their children, is into a place where we have to learn to live in community. We have to learn to work in community. We have to learn to come together and create new paradigms where we're not accumulating for ourselves, but we're accumulating for the benefit of the community. So now, you know, yes, my businesses today are doing, they did about 1.7 million last year, but it's all for the benefit of the people that are supporting what we're creating. I don't even think of them as my businesses. In fact, the way that they're structured is they are not my businesses. They are, um, they are owned among several people. I'm just a player on the team. And it's a totally different paradigm. The people that work in my home are the people that I'm supporting. Um, but just it's not even I'm supporting them. The work that we're doing is supporting them, and we're in it together. It has a whole different feeling to it. So I wanted to create that and not this life where I'm constantly trying to accumulate more and more and more and hoard it. Um, one of the movies that I watched during this time is the movie I Am by Tom Shadiak. Have you, have you seen that movie? I don't think I have, actually. So such a great movie. He was um, the producer of many of the Jim Carrey movies. So he's he was the super wealthy producer, and then he basically, like me, gave it all up, moved into a trailer in Malibu. So he has a beautiful view, but it's a trailer, and um, and now he's making movies that are really um, contributing in a very transformational way to the planet by helping us to wake up and see new paradigms through entertainment. And what I got through that is that in many ways, that's actually my purpose. I mean, you're living it. You're living it right now, which is to use entertainment to up-level the consciousness of humanity. Because as you recognized, as you made the transition from blogcast um, FM to your, to your new brand, un- unmis- unmistakable creative, is that mm-hmm. what, what it's called? Yeah, unmistakable creative, which is so just awesome and, and juicy and rich and like your, your, the colors and the cartoons and the drawings, all of that is entertainment. And what, what I heard you say is that people don't want how to, they don't want you to tell them what to do, but they do want to be entertained. And if we can educate people through entertainment, I see that as the highest value thing that we can do because no matter what happens in the world, people are going to want to be entertained. During the depression, what did people still spend money on? Entertainment. Why? Because it's crucial to our culture is to be entertained. And so that is really um, my, to me, my highest purpose is how can I move beyond just building businesses and accumulating money to instead living in community, working in community, and finding a way to entertain to create an up-level in consciousness and show people what life can be like when we break free of the old conditioning and the old patterns and the old ideas that we have to accumulate, accumulate, accumulate in order to be safe. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Wow. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'd never heard it put like that. The whole idea of creating entertainment for up-leveling the consciousness of humanity. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that makes it sound like what I do is way more impressive. It is. Um, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I can see, you know, why you would say that. I mean, some of you probably saw it on Facebook a few days ago. Somebody, uh, you know, one of our listeners, Joe Tito, sent me uh, a, an email about you know, sharing some of the work that we're doing here on The Unmistakable Creative. While he can't take it into prison cells, he actually does some ministry work in a prison. And he said, you should know that the, the, the you know, work you're doing is actually having an impact in places you might not have thought. And yeah. I, in a million years, of like inside the walls of a prison, that I would have never guessed. Yeah. Yeah. And what more important, you know, places to be impacting than the people of our society that have been most disregarded, disenfranchised, might feel like they have no hope until they hear you and they see a possibility and then it sparks something. And all of a sudden they are shifted inside and they have an up-leveling of consciousness and they realize a new possibility and then they can step into that possibility. And entertainment really feels like the best form for that to happen. So you are doing it and it's, I'm, I'm highly impressed by it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah. let me ask you this. Uh, you know, it's really funny. I'm listening to the way you're speaking to me now. And I, you know, I mean, it was such a long time ago, but I mean, I feel like I'm speaking to two very different people from yeah. you know the first time I talked to you. I mean, the first time we spoke, I was like, this is a woman who is very much a type A go-getter, you know, like I, I just knew it. I was like, wow. Uh, and still very impressed. So, you know, there's there's sort of this in between time, right? Like the yeah. time that molds you into who you are, and and I can't imagine it didn't come without its struggles and its hurdles. I mean, I, I remember seeing things on Facebook. If I remember correctly, there was a Burning Man wedding involved in some of this, right? <laughs> that really that distinctly stood out to me. I, and I was, yeah. and I remember I saw the flack that you got for it too from a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. Um, not so. I don't want you to just talk about that specifically, even though I'd love you to share that story. But in general, I mean, I, I don't imagine it was hey. 
I'm ready to make this radical identity shift, snap my fingers, and now I'm who I am and, you know, running through the world. Because I think that if, if people don't hear that, they're going to say, well, you two are a bunch of new age hippies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I probably am a new age hippie. Um, I'll, pro- I'll proudly own that. Um, and, uh, and, and that wedding at Burning Man was actually my stake in the ground that said, here's who I am. I am weird. I do impulsive things. Um, and I'm not hiding that anymore. I'm coming out publicly with it. I posted it on my blog. I got a lot of flack. And unfortunately, I handled the flack wrong. I uh, got the flack, and then I thought that the lawyer community hated me. I thought that they were not going to trust me anymore and that they weren't going to want me to serve them anymore. Because pretty much, you know, I'd been serving lawyers at that point, and the, the flack that I got on that blog post was mostly from lawyers saying, you're a flake. I'm never going to trust you. Um, you know, who, who are you? And I took that in and I internalized it in a negative way. And I began to shrink. And that was painful. It was really, really painful and good. It was definitely alchemizing. Um, but I shrunk and I shrunk that business back to almost nothing, which also in a way was good because it got to the core of the business where the lawyers that stayed with me, I began to realize, oh, they're never going to leave me. I'm providing so much value to them that it really doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how weird I am. It doesn't matter if I wear feathers and my hair and jewels on my face and, you know, dance at Burning Man. They are still going to want me because I'm providing value to them. Okay, so if if that's the case, then I can rebuild this business on that foundation, being who I am. And later on, I found out, and it's funny that I didn't find this out until about three months ago, we had hired a woman to call all the lawyers that were in our programs and, and interview them. And somehow, I never found out about those interviews until three months ago. It turns out that what the people said in those interviews is they wanted more. They were curious. They're like, I heard that Alexis got married at Burning Man. What do you know about that? They weren't saying that they didn't like me. They were intrigued. They wanted more. They wanted to be entertained. Now, the people who posted on my blog were mean, but had I seen that for what it was, impact, Had I seen that it meant that I was reaching people, I wouldn't have shrunk. I would have grown. Instead, I would have given people what they wanted, which was more entertainment, and I would have never decimated, basically, the businesses. But I guess I had to go through that, and I totally trust in the process of all of it. But what I've come back around to now is this realization that, oh, okay, I can be who I am. I can do really weird things and still serve lawyers because the value that I'm providing to them and who I am are two totally different things. I'm an entertaining, creative soul. That's part of the value that I provide to them. So now the the journey is in, okay, being more of that and continuing to stay focused enough on the business so that I can continue to provide that value, can continue to serve and, and not shrink in the face of the naysayers. In fact, at one point, Shri, I um, went on the internet and I searched all of the big people like Madonna and Susie Orman, and um, Britney Spears, and I read about all of the things that people said about them that were mean, Mm -hmm. all the hater comments that people said about them. And then, do you happen to know a woman named Julia Allison? Um, I know the name, I think. She'd be a great interview for you. She is um, uh, a woman who 
has done a lot of various things online. She she had a, a column, and then she had a, a a reality TV show for a short while, and now she's writing a book. Well, she has this hater blog that is so intense. It's basically an entire blog devoted to hating her. They post mean pictures about her. They have horrible commentary about her. And at one point, she she was in my RV at Burning Man. And so at one point, all of a sudden, I got all these hits to my blog. And when I traced them back, I found that they were from her hater blog, that these people who just spend their days hating on her had linked to me and said all these mean things about me. And I felt this feeling of excitement when that happened. It's like, oh, I actually kind of like this. I, this. This means that I'm impacting. And what if I shifted my perspective on people writing mean and nasty things about me? And instead of trying to avoid it, I cultivated it a little more. And once that shift happened inside of me and I saw the way that Julia deals with it, which is pretty much just to ignore it. And I think in a way, like I haven't talked to her about it, but I get the sense that she might even actually like it. Um, once I got that imprinted into me, I felt a measure of liberation. Like, oh, okay. That is actually what I want to cultivate because when there are, I'm a polarizing personality. And when people are hating me, an equal number of people are actually loving me too. And it's, it, that's been a journey for me. That has not come easily <laughs> at all. Um, there's still parts of me that just wants everybody to love me and everybody to like me and to always look good. I mean, I went to law school because, you know, I'm a competitive person who wants to have a lot of power. And that's why most people go to law school, by the way. And so (laughs) it's true. Um, So I've had to come to terms with that. And now a a small part of sadness for me is that I, in some ways, feel like I missed the opportunity, which I know I didn't. I know I still have the opportunity, but I missed the opportunity to really dive into that in a bigger way. And now... It's, it's the question of, okay, how do I, how do I start to impact again in the way that I was before, um, and allow all sides of myself to be seen and allow myself to be hated by some and loved by others and feel really good about that. And so again, still, still in the inquiry of that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring up, you know, the, the polarizing thing. I mean, inevitably, I, I don't know what it is. Anytime I get an email or a note saying, you know, something about my work being shitty or terrible or whatever, you know, one star review shows my book, like within hours of it, somebody sends me something saying, thank you for everything you do. Yeah. It's really weird. I have always wondered, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's kind of like the yin and the yang thing. But, right. you know, I, I want to ask you about one other thing you said that, you said that, you know, when you experience this kind of thing, you, you wanted to change the imprint. And I think that that to me is, is really where things start to change. And I think this is, this is something we've spent a lot of time talking about here on the show is, you know, understanding the difference between circumstances and identity, because when the two get intertwined, that's when your life just becomes a giant mess. Yep. Uh, but but changing the imprint, I mean, how, you know, I mean, people are, are, are going to hear that because I think that there are a lot of people who would find themselves in the situation where, you know, you, you fall from grace. But, you know, in my mind, sometimes you have to fall from grace in order to learn how to really stand. Yeah. But, you know, changing that imprint and, and changing the story that you're telling around it, I mean, how do you go about doing that? When, because I mean, I think for a lot of people that could become the end of them. It could become, you know, who they are. Like they could let that become their identity. And I'm wondering how you avoid that. Yeah. Well, and and though, and that's who I'm talking to, by the way, is all of those of you who are imprinted by your circumstances to let you know that it's just a story. It's just a story that you can change at any moment. And, you know, I, while I was in the place of giving up my identity and taking on circumstances that were 
not circumstances that I wanted to be known for. I, I reached out to people who could really support me in that. James Altucher, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I spoke to him during that time and he gave me so much um, courage to just keep going down. (laughs) He said, just, you know, keep letting it go. Keep going down. I shared with him a vision that I had of writing a book. Uh, It's the book I'm working on now. It's called You Are Not Your Credit Score. Mm -hmm. And a book in which I would give people the permission to tap into the credit system, to finance their dreams, to go through bankruptcy if they're stressed out about debt and that's the right path for them and to not feel guilty or shameful about it, but instead to look at what is the most responsible decision that I can make, not from the cultural conditioning, but from the place of how can I be of most service in the world? And he really encouraged me there. He said, yeah, go for it. That is the right path. Um, and receiving support from people that I admired during that time was, was extremely helpful. I also, I, I read a lot of books. I read, um, Napoleon Hill's Outwitting the Devil. I read, um, uh, Mike Dooley's Infinite Possibilities. Um, sometimes in, in kind of the darkest days, that's really all I could do was listen to things that would uplift me and give me hope that I wasn't going to be stuck in this place forever, that this was just a place that I was now, and that the alchemy of it, the way that I could transmute it and turn, you know, tarnished silver or, um, you know, even uh, aluminum into gold was to mine the experience to take the experience and help other people, knowing that the more people I could help, the more everything would be okay. And so if you're in those circumstances right now where life is just shitty and every single circumstance seems like it's lining up against you, I encourage you to look at it as a gift. Where can you find the gift in your experience Where can you find the gift in your experience? What is the opportunity here for you to learn so that you can help others? What is the opportunity for you perhaps to learn how to share more of yourself, how to open your heart more, how to ask for more help, um, to be more vulnerable, to be more soft, um, to love people more? And, um, and, And sometimes we have to be torn down all the way to the ground in order for that to happen so we can just surrender completely to our faith, um, uh, the, the eternal trust in something bigger than ourselves, and, and then come through it on the other side with, a, with a, an, an internal strength that didn't exist before. And one of the things that I want to help to eradicate more than anything because it's the thing that shifted everything for me is blame, being a victim, and feeling as if you have no power. Because those stories are the stories that are keeping us separate. And it's a time for us to come together and recognize that there is no blame. There are no victims. And we are in this together. And as soon as we all shift our consciousness to that awareness and look at how can I serve more? How can I help more? How can I love more? Even if I don't feel like I have to, anything to give, I do. I have something I can give to someone. Everything starts to shift and open up, and the world can actually become a place that we all love to live in. Hmm. I love that. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's awesome. I mean, you've, you've really talked a lot about service and community throughout uh, our conversation. Yeah. And it's funny because I think that sometimes we see that as, as very separate from the money story that we tell ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, I sat down with my business partner, Greg Hartle. He, he was here for a month as we were building and, and doing all the work around launching the unmistakable creative into what it is now. And he said to me, he said, you know, he said, think about it this way. He said, we've made more money. And as a result of making more money, he said, we're able to hire people. He said, that means those people get to put food on the table. They get to live a better life because, you know, you're making more money. 
And he said, so that story, I think the, 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 the fact that we, we don't, I think that that's a very complicated story for people because they, I think we look at it for a lot of people, they feel like they are taking from the system without giving anything back into it. And yet it's, it's, you know, when you actually are abundant, I realize you're able to give back into the system in a way you couldn't when you're, when you're, you know, poverty stricken, even mentally. Yeah. It's, it's really, I never saw it that way before. Yeah. I really didn't. And the idea that, wow, we're actually creating, we are creating work for people that to me, you know, that was a very, very, very different conversation around money. Yeah. It's like we, we are all supporting each other. And what I found is really important is that it's important for each of us to step into right alignment with our role in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So I used to resist the idea that I was the attractor. I used to resist the idea that I was um, the leader. Like it felt like a burden, like, oh, I got to be the leader. But actually that's, that's my role. I have the, the internal structure, the fortitude, the, the life experiences, the, the, um, uh, Enneagram, the Myers-Briggs, the astrology, the human design to attract. And if I stay there and live there and I'm willing to be there, then I can attract in what's needed to support the supporters, what's needed to support the connectors. And these are some archetypes that I've um, uh, begin to work with to help people identify where in the ecosystem do you belong. And what I find is that there's not enough support out there for the supporters. Mm-hmm. The, the supporters are the people that we rely upon to support what we're creating. And I get the sense that there's this idea out there that somehow you should evolve beyond being a supporter, that it's better to be the the creator. It's better to be the attractor. And that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. It's not a matter of better. It's a matter of what is right for your personality type, your structure of who you are as a person, and how can you be part of an ecosystem that allows you to relax into whatever your right role is. Maybe you're a guide. You love to work with people one-on-one, take them through transformational experiences or their accounting or their bookkeeping or their legal work. Maybe you are a creator and you are just not fulfilled unless you're creating new methodologies, entertainment, art, books. Maybe you are a connector. You don't want to create anything. You just want to be out there introducing people to each other and getting paid for it. Or maybe you are a supporter and you love to hold the container. You love to lead from the bottom. And the more everybody can settle into their space in the ecosystem, the more we can all be entrepreneurial, live lives that are uh, liberated, I like that word better than free because freedom, there's really a a prison that gets created when we chase freedom, but liberation pops all that open. So we can all be liberated and, and feel amazing in our place and that we're all contributing to creating something that supports the whole. You know what? I love that. I, you know, it's so funny because nobody has ever talked about it that way before. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, we, we sort of live in the, uh, the internet perpetuates individualism almost to a fault. Yes. I think, you know, we, we, it's, it's the, it's the conversation that nobody wants to talk about. It's like, Hey, the whole world is saying, quit your job, you know, be a misfit, all this stuff help. You know, I mean, to some degree, I'm one of those people who perpetuates it. Um, But, you know, as, as we've done things in the last six, probably 60 to 90 days, what I've realized is how, how much more the entire system thrives when we're working together, as opposed to I'm out to build my empire. Yeah. Yeah. That, so, so the empire analogy is really interesting because if the truth is, is if you look at an empire, an empire, right, was, um, supported by the king and the queen and, If we look at the reality of a benevolent king and queen, what we can see is that it was actually an ecosystem where the king and the queen are actually supporting 
the people that are supporting them. But that's not what we've gotten in our minds because we all watch like Game of Thrones, which I have to say that I, I read the books and they were fascinating. But as I was reading them, do you, do you know about these books, Game of Thrones? I, well, everybody talks to me about them. I haven't oh, read them or seen the TV show. Okay. Well, it's probably better because as I was reading them, what, I, what was being imprinted into me was fear this idea of every man out for himself, um, it, it, it's, it's, um, it's frightening. And that is why I'm so committed to using entertainment to change the cultural conditioning that we have. Because if you watch those shows, you get the idea that an empire is every man out for himself. But the reality is that an empire when supported and everybody in their right role in the ecosystem and nobody being competitive and everybody being co-creative can actually be a beautiful, supportive thing where everybody is getting their needs met. Um, I'll, I'll share another book with you, which I do think you should read. It's called The Fifth Sacred Thing. And it's kind of a dystopian it's a, it's a novel about a dystopian time. So it's a time in the future when the world has run out of water, um, run out of, um, not completely run out of water, but almost completely run out of water, uh, which, you know, here in California, uh, which is where I am today, you see that it could actually happen at some point given the drought that we're having. Um, and so the world has run out of water and, uh, the ability to get clean food becomes very difficult. And so the world divides basically into the population of people who are basically living under the control of a very, you know, rationing govern government, and then a small group of people who have learned to come together to create clean food to create clean water, to create clean energy. And as you read this book, what got imprinted in me is a vision of how this could actually be possible, not through force, which is what happened in this book because it became no choice, but by choice. How if we can step into that now and start to create that now, we don't have to end up in a dystopian society where we can actually live in a space where there is enough food, there is enough water, there is enough energy. And it's going to take us making a cultural shift right now that fortunately I can see coming to fruition already in, in at least in my children. Um, but it's a, it's a big reconditioning because again, the media is so just imprinting in them the old ways. And so I think that's just, you know, it's our job to come together and reframe things like empires and uh, um, business and find a way to do it that feels good for all. I love it. So, uh, you know, I'm going to close with my final question. It's, uh, it's really, you know, this has been, this has been amazing. I, I really, it's, it's such a, the contrast in our two conversations. And for those of you guys listening, if you're up for a really painful experience, you can <laughs> listen to some of my earlier work, um, which I'll link in the show notes. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I'd been thinking for hundreds of interviews, how do I end, you know, with something different? Cause I'd been asking the same question over and over again. Uh, but now I realize, I mean, this show is called The Unmistakable Creative. So I think I finally figured out, you know, in a world of this much noise, regardless of where you fall in the ecosystem, how do you become unmistakable? Mm. You become unmistakable by discovering the truth of who you are and living that so on on the spot, so true to yourself without striving to accumulate more and more and more, but identifying where do you actually belong in the ecosystem, not from ego, but from what actually feels good to you. And how do you learn to live on just what you need? Focusing on building a life that is going to take you into your elder years, not having to save for retirement and hoard for retirement and pay off all your debt and focus on how you can get ahead, but actually focus on how can you love and live right now. 
and learn to provide value in the world in a way that allows you to earn what you need when you need it on demand so you can stop hoarding and living in that scarcity tight scared place and instead be aware of the abundance that is here for us right now when you know that you can always provide value by giving more and that it will come back to you and it's it's a it's it's somewhat of a challenging thing to learn but if you spend more time with people who are doing that you will open up to it it will naturally arise in you and um Go to Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that that uh, that makes a, a perfect way to sum up our conversation. Uh, Ali, this has been amazing. I, I really I can't thank you enough for coming back to the show for a second time. I wasn't thank to be you. honest, I wasn't even sure what to expect. I was like, are we going to have a bunch of spiritual New Age psychobabble conversation? But this has been really, really cool. I, I have to say, I think people are going to get a lot from this. Thank you, Shri. Thanks for thanks for taking a chance on me both then and now <laughs> and um, allowing me to be part of your community. I really appreciate how you're showing up in the world. Awesome. And for those of you guys listening, we'll wrap the show with that. You've been listening to the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. Visit our website at unmistakablecreative.com and get access to over 400 interviews in our archives. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.